0: Welcome to Staying Connected, a podcast where I talk to other people about their stories with FEDS or Vascular Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome. everyone and welcome back to staying connected this is your host katie and before we get into the show i want to remind you that the views information and opinions in these podcasts are those of the individuals involved and do not represent the opinions of the marfan foundation the marfan foundation is not responsible for and does not verify for accuracy any of the information contained in them nor does the information constitute medical or other professional advice or services this show is not produced by or affiliated with the marfan foundation or the VEDS Movement. In the last episode, we talked to Charlene Terrell Newman, who lost her son Luke in October at the age of 15. Charlene told us Luke's story to raise awareness of VEDS in an emergency and honor Luke and his desire to help other people with VEDS. In today's episode, the last episode of this season, we're going to hear from one of the amazing doctors and researchers in our community, Dr. Shane Morris. Shane cares for many people with VEDS, and I'm so grateful to have her as an advocate in our community. Before we go over to the interview, if you want to support the show, consider joining my Patreon. For a few dollars a month, you can make sure this show continues to reach people around the world with real-life stories about VEDS. You can join the Patreon at patreon.com slash translucent1, and you can also support the show by sharing this podcast with people you know to help us raise awareness of VEDS together. Really, anything helps, and this podcast is actually reaching a lot of places around the world. It's awesome. So thank you so much for your support and raising awareness of ads together. Let's go ahead and go to the interview with Shane. Hey, Shane, I'm so excited to have you share your story on the podcast. I've really wanted to interview you for a long time. And um, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself to the people who don't know you? Hi, so I'm Shane Morris. I'm a
1: pediatric cardiologist, and I'm currently practicing in Houston, Texas at Texas Children's Hospital, which is the pediatric hospital that's part of Baylor College of Medicine. I run our cardiovascular genetics program, which has a focus on connective tissue disorders, including vascular EDS.
0: And how did you how did you get involved in this space to begin? Oh, well, it's a little kind of a long story. So
1: Going way back to high school, um, you know, I'd wanted to be an engineer, and then I had this fantastic biology teacher who inspired me, and I just wanted to be a geneticist. And I, through high school and college, I joined genetics labs to sort of do research. And the genetics lab I got in was a Marfan lab. And I, I really loved it. And um, I went on to medical school to be a geneticist. But then my the person who ran my lab was a cardiologist, and I thought what he did was amazing. So I decided to switch my career, decided to do cardiology. But I always had this passion for genetics. And that but it kind of it kind of died down a little bit. But after I had become a pediatric cardiologist and I was doing extra training, I was doing extra training in imaging. People knew I loved genetics and said, "Well, hey, why don't you kind of combine this interest in genetics? Why don't you do some Marfan imaging projects?" And I just got really back involved in the space and and still loved it. And when I came on faculty at Texas Children's Hospital, they said, "Why don't you run our cardiovascular genetics program, which was a perfect fit for me because I'd done genetics for. You know, decades at that point, point. and so I was really seeing a lot of patients with Marfan syndrome, um, and I think just the word started to get out, and I started having more patients come to our clinic with Lois deeds and vascular EDS, and then I just really was drawn to the vascular EDS community, just their strength and their rarity, and how little we knew, and so then I've just really been involved with that community since since starting in faculty here.
0: Yeah. So why don't we talk a little bit more about your involvement, like with the community? Um, how many, so how many families do you care for roughly? And, you know, what has really been impactful? about that? Sure. So I think I probably have about 30 to 35 active
1: families. I think we have 70 people that are involved in sort of our research program, but that includes the parents and aunts and uncles. And so, um, you know, it just really, just their passion to find an answer really drives me. And I mean, every family I meet is really interested. I think they're they are really excited to be in a place where we understand beds. We understand the challenges. And I think it's just a symbiotic relationship. You know, we, it's, it's a little challenging. We have days where we see a lot of beds patients and they go till in the evening. Cause we're all, we can't stop talking with each other <laughs> and I'm learning what's new and they're learning what's new. Um, and I think it's just this really strong connection, you know, and as, as a pediatric cardiologist, we're trying to help their kids live happy, healthy lives, but as safely as, as possible, but we're also trying to make sure that the extended family members are getting the care they need and the connections they need.
0: Oh, that's wonderful. So tell me more about the research that you do.
1: Sure. So we have a lot of active research projects in vascular EDS. And so my training as a researcher, so I'm a, what's called the clinical outcomes researcher. So that means you take a disease and you try to figure out what are the risk factors for negative outcomes, like for death or dissection. So that's different than a lot of people in the space. So a lot of people who study genetics want to know what causes genetic problems, right? So like Dr. Byers is, you know, one of the forefounders of figuring out why we have vascular as what's wrong with the collagen. And so that's that's most people in genetics are sort of what we call etiology researchers, right? People who discover genes, people who discover gene modifiers. And so I'm really different. I'm a trained epidemiologist. So I study rare diseases and how do we predict the outcomes? And then how do we use those, the knowledge we have to prevent outcomes or improve outcomes? So I sort of take that look on beds and that's really different than a lot of people. So our research is you know, we wanna enroll as many families as possible. And obviously as a pediatric cardiologist, I have a focus on children and and young adults. And we sort of say, one of our big research projects is looking at all the imaging and saying, is there anything from the MRIs and the CTs and the echoes that helps us figure out who has more fragile vessels, who doesn't, who do we have to restrict? Who don't we have to restrict? Who do we have to worry about? So we, one of our projects is using vascular imaging to predict outcomes. We do a lot of perinatal, so around birth, pregnancy, and newborn um, research. Who can? Is there anything we can tell from the newborn period to help detect beds or if we know they have VEDs, that we think might have better outcomes? Um, we also look at things like bone density, and then we also look at risk stratification. How can we just, if a five-year-old walks in, how can I say... You know, you're know, you not at risk for 10 or 12 years of an event or like, oh, we probably have to be, watch you a little closer, watch you a little tighter. So it all has to do with sort of predicting outcomes to kind of be more informed and and know who's better a better candidate for certain therapies as they come.
0: Yeah, that's really interesting. So this idea that, you know, something that really popped out at me when you were talking is this idea that not everybody has the same exact risk. Like there's variations within our community. To keep in mind, that's really, that's a really great concept because I think a lot of people really like just, I mean, I just think of myself and like exercise, you know, and how much I used to love exercise. And then when I was diagnosed, I found all this scary stuff online about what I shouldn't do and like very strict restrictions. And, and then I meet other people that were like, oh no, my doctor told me this, or my doctor told me this. And there's so much variation there. Well, there is. And we know, I mean, exercise is
1: a great example of it's huge for mental health, right? Especially in children and young adults. It's a huge part of people's daily lives. It makes you feel better. And like, I see kids that are diagnosed, I have a whole family and they're all motocross male have (laughs) that, you know, and they don't have a null mutation. And, and, and I don't know how they did that for so many years and they still do. And then you have other families, you know, that have an event really early in their life or someone in their family. And how do we really, rather than it's not just mutation, right? There's other things. And, and can we better understand so we can help reassure families that causes so much anxiety and stress when you get a diagnosis, but I don't think we shouldn't diagnose people, but can we better risk stratify?
0: Yeah, I love that. So if people want to get involved in your research, do they have to live near Houston or how do people get involved?
1: Absolutely not. And you know, actually the pandemic helped with that. Our hospital used to have restrictions where um, to do this kind of research, we had to examine you in person or get a, like a special release that we can examine your records, but you still had to be a patient of our hospital, but it's totally changed. So we can do everything virtually now, which is great. We don't have the, you know, we'd love to examine people if we can, but we don't have to. So our biggest project now, so we just started a, a huge project called Clarity and it, it's v- VEDS and Mark and lows Deeds, but it's an internet. We have, it's, 30 programs in the United States and plus the Canadian group is now going to join us and plus a group in Russia and a group in Pakistan. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And we're collecting patients. We're hoping to get as many possible. And what we're asking for is medical records, right? Medical records and then probably interviews to really get the information we need. And then we'll know what outcomes they have and we'll look at the retro like past history of things that have happened. And then we'll follow everyone going forward. And we hope this is in perpetuity if we can keep getting it funded, but we are funded for the next few years. um, Perpetuity so we can follow people along. And so this is one of the ways, which is neat because I mean, all the major hospitals and pediatric hospitals in the country are contributing. So we're really excited.
0: That's wonderful. So how does somebody sign up for that? So they can just email me um,
1: or I don't have my research coordinator's number handy. We're going to call it clarity. We're going to get an email handle for clarity and our clarity website which is clarity registry is going to go up soon but it's not live yet so for now shane m at bcm.edu can email me um you could email the marfan Foundation to email me but um we can get people registered and the way that it will work is that you can either register with us directly if you register with us directly we can interview you we can call you back we can request your medical records you can also register through your hospital and um, the hospitals have the choice though they can either get all your information, but that's pretty um, hard work. Like it's pretty laborious for each hospital to do a lot of consents so and not everyone has the funding and research staff to do that. So we give them the option to just for us to extract records, but they have to get permission. So it's a little more, depending how your hospital has elected to do it, um, people do it in different ways. They may not get as many detailed records depending on their staffing and, or you can enroll directly with us
0: but either way. Yeah. So I'll put that information like in the podcast description. That'll be too, perfect.
1: So, <laughs> yeah, and all the it's just gotten rolling. So most, I think we have three hospitals have their ethics boards and consents all set up. Um, but it's you know every week we're getting more hospitals that have the program set up. So
0: that's incredible, and I think uh, so. It seems like you know now, especially with the clinical trials coming up, and then also like this clarity study, we've got a natural history study. It just seems like research has kind of exploded for beds right yeah. now does that? Does that like give you hope or how does that make you feel? Well,
1: definitely. I mean, one of my, you know, one of my specialties is sitting rare disease, but it's hard, right? You can't if you have 10 patients, it's really hard to understand how their different features affect outcomes. Right. But if you can get 200, it can really help you understand. And the great thing about being recruited from these pediatric institutions is most of these are like super wonderful hospitals that are doing all the right things. And if we can get all the actual imaging studies and their medication information and everyone's contributing, it's just really, really helpful. And I think all these centers, you know, pediatric cardiologists are this funny group, like we're not surgeons, we're children's doctors. Um, But, and so most people are really passionate and um, it's really great that everyone wants to contribute and it definitely gives me hope. And and I think all these other people want to know how to help their kids too, so.
0: Well, that's super exciting and I'll be sure to put that information in there. So if you're listening to this, like there are, there are so many opportunities to get involved in research now and coming up in the near future. So, you know, keep your, keep in tune to that. I think, you know, to Shane's point too, you know, when you have 200 people, it gives you a lot more answers than when you have 10. So the more people that enroll really makes a difference. And
1: clarity is rolling up to age 45 because we want to do pregnancy outcomes. We're working with Dr. Russo. So um, it's not just for kids. It's also for their parents and other affected people. And anyone who's even had a pregnancy, been affected by a pregnancy, been pregnant with someone with beds, all of the, anyone sort of affected by vets that was touched. Um, you can even enroll if you're 50,
0: we just would take your information from 45 and below. So it's, it's pretty wide open. That's wonderful. So as a, Specialist like in this area that cares for a lot of families and people with veds. What is something that you would want emergency medical professionals to know? I think that's a big area that we're still really working on in this community. Yeah. um, I mean, the
1: first thing and most important I think everyone's community knows is that veds is different than hypermobile EDS and the kind of EDS that everyone is familiar with. You know, hypermobile EDS is so common. So, one, to know it's different and recognizing is different i think we really need to make sure to be listening to the families and so i think you know it's it's hard and it's busy and you think you've seen this before but this really is a really different condition and when the family says something's wrong um to really pay attention and also to really be listen to the providers reach out to who their pediatrician their cardiologist their geneticist their vascular surgeon whoever the family says hey could you call this person because this is a scary condition, and these families have been working usually through this for a long time, and they sort of know when something is wrong. So I think mainly listening to families and don't being afraid to reach out to their to their primary person, whoever that is, to sort of help guide diagnosis, treatment, and therapy.
0: Thank you. And I think uh, you know we didn't talk about this before the interview, but along the the lines of you know listening to the families and calling their specialists or their primary point of contact what kind of advice do you have for families who are trying to put together their care teams like what does that look like i mean i think you just i don't think the
1: care team needs to be a particular special type of specialist there are ones that tend to tend to gravitate towards this kind of care but i think someone who listens to you and is willing to advocate for you. So, um, you know, that could, again, I mentioned that could be a cardiologist, a geneticist, a vascular surgeon. I think in peds, it tends to be the pediatric cardiologist and in adult medicine, it tends to be the vascular surgeon or the geneticist, but it, I think anyone who really, who really cares and is going to answer the phone and is going to advocate. I think that's the right, the right person. And you still have other people on your team, but sometimes you just need someone to, to
0: listen. Yeah, definitely. So oh, thank you so much. Is there anything else that you would want the listeners to know about you, about VEDS, about your involvement?
1: Well, I think one other thing is when we're talking about treatments for VEDS, I think people in the emergency room and surgeons and providers, when they do realize that VEDS is different, I think it's it's really scary, and they're very worried that they're going to do something wrong if they do some sort of procedure or they do some sort of intervention. And we still get people calling saying, "We think that person needs this, but maybe we shouldn't do it." And just to remember that. We all the same procedures, all the same things can be done in beds. We just have to be careful and thoughtful. And you shouldn't decline treatment or be afraid of treatment. It just has to be done with the family, with the provider and thoughtfully. But um, you know, we're seeing phenomenal outcomes now. And I've I think 10 of my patients have had some sort of surgery in the last five years and they've all done great. And so it's just um, you know, it's changing that mantra um that we try to not touch them at any cost of just going through this. Treatment programs thoughtfully. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. Yeah, no problem. And I guess the other thing is just to really keep talking with your provider. You know, we learn from you, and I know it's hard. You know, sometimes you think that doctors have all the answers, but in these rare diseases, I'm I'm so happy. I mean, I think people in the vets community understand this, but it's really important to advocate and say, "Hey, I see a difference. Hey, I see a pattern." Hey, can you tell me more about this? Or hey, could we work on this together? I think that's how we learn, and you know, we don't have a lot of the answers in beds yet, and we need to figure it out. And just keep working with your doctors. Don't don't worry about you know asking lots of
0: questions. Don't worry about advocating because I think that's how we're gonna to move forward. Yeah i I really like totally 100% agree <laughs> with that. Like it's yeah. it is challenging and frustrating as somebody with beds to continually have to be that person to keep like pushing sometimes is difficult like you just want to you just want to stop sometimes you're just like I don't want to fight anymore I don't want to I don't want to um but being your own advocate or if you're a parent being an advocate for your kid if you know something is wrong you have to advocate for yourself because there's so many like this is a rare disease and you know not everybody knows about it so that's right. And we're trained in medicine, you know, to be all
1: knowledgeable and to help families through and to guide them. And we do that our best. And it's also this default for most things. We know a lot more than the patients, you know, and we know way, way more because we do this every day, all day. But, and it's also an instinct as a physician to be like, I know more than you, you know, like, because usually we do, but in these conditions, you just have to, you know, realize that a lot of clinicians you see, are, that's not going to be the case. And it's just going to have to be teamwork.
0: Yeah. And so then for the clinicians too, that open-mindedness when you're approaching somebody Mm -hmm. with a rare condition that maybe you don't know all of it yet is mutually beneficial to everybody. I think, well, thank you so much, Shane, for coming on the podcast. And I'm just so grateful to have you as part of our community and really involved with us. Like it is a tight-knit community and like you're in it with us. And I love that. Oh, well, thanks. I'm really excited to be part of the community. And I really
1: do see like my patients as part of our family. My whole my whole family knows all about beds, my kids. And and um, I'm just really excited. I, I do feel like I'm part of the community. And uh, it's really an important part of my work. So.
0: Thank you. Sure. Thank you so much, Shane, for coming on the podcast and for your dedication to our VEDS community. And thank you, everyone, for listening in today. If you want to get involved in the Clarity study that Shane talked about in this interview, you can email her research coordinator, Nadia. I've put Nadia's contact information in the description of this episode, and soon there will also be a website for the Clarity Registry. When that is available, I will add that to the episode show notes as well. I want to take a moment to thank all the medical professionals who are listening to this podcast and learning about VEDS. Our community truly needs you, and I appreciate you taking the time to hear our stories. This is a wrap for this season, and I'll be hosting interviews over the summer for a new season in the fall. So stay tuned, and don't forget to subscribe to Staying Connected on your podcast player so you don't miss any of the future episodes. If you like the show, I hope you will consider sharing it with your friends on social media to help us continue to reach people around the world and raise awareness of eds. I can see so many people listening from so many different countries, and it is truly incredible. So thank you. If you want to, you can also support the production of this podcast by joining my Patreon at patreon.com slash translucent1. Big thank you to my first patrons who have already joined and are supporting the show in this way. Thank you so much, everyone, and I will see you soon.